Eat, drink, smoke. It is the Super Smoking Tuesday edition. We eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, smoke the fine cigars. Tony Katz, Fingers Malloy, Blend Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana. It is Super Tuesday when this is all breaking out. That's why we waited a couple days uh, to do uh, the podcast, and already results are coming in. We're not going to have all the results, mostly because it's a podcast, and what's the point of having results on a podcast? We can listen to it whenever uh, you want. We just happened to be here on a Tuesday night. We were both at the Conservative Political Action Conference. Uh, in Washington, D.C. It was a, a very, very good time, different than other conferences, and I, I we can get into it. Um, but between Super Tuesday, coronavirus fears, i got to tell you, every, more Purell and antibacterial lotion used at CPAC than I've ever seen before in my life, the Conservative Political Action Conference, and, and kind of rightfully so. I get that people are, like, paying extra attention, washing their hands more and using antibacterial more. Good. They should probably be doing that all the time with the flu and, 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 and whatever else. There's no need, though, for the panic. We're going to get into that, but we are going to be talking about uh, Super Tuesday because a lot has happened over the last, uh, was it 96 hours? Last four days have gotten been incredible from South Carolina uh, to today, and there's a lot to take in, and I think the people missed. So we're going to get into it and the drinking and the smoking, and our man here uh, with the Dalmore is absolutely positively nuts and then we've got a cigar expert jeff stone in from davidoff uh and it's it's just it's crazy i've i'm telling you i we took it kind of easy today we're not necessarily reviewing uh cigars so so what i've got is uh i I have got the the lounge the avo lounge is what i'm smoking i have always been a fan of the cigar i've got in the churchill uh size i just think that this is Wonderfully easy, uh, has but has a, a couple of really good flavors uh, to it. Fingers Malloy, uh, he went with an old standby of his. This is the Nat Sherman Timeless Limited Edition uh, that that he's smoking right there. Um, the Nat Sherman people, they they did it right with this, one, uh, undoubtedly. As for what we're drinking, I've got coffee. If it grows together, it goes together. I am more a believer in this than ever before. But the Dalmore, the Scotch. Hold on a second, my Scotch man, my Scotch. What? what? He, he's not even listening. It's like I, I don't even exist to him. He's, I'm dead to him. I was going to have him come over and share the scotch. We'll get into it. I hate it when you two fight. <laughs> Virginia already going. Virginia already going uh, for, for Joe Biden, and we're not uh, surprised by this at all. Come over here. This is Jeff Stone. We're going to talk some cigars in, in a second. You're going to come right here, sir, is, is what you're going to do. Yeah, I, when I tell you that this is you know not the normal way we do things, people who are watching the podcast... You're very impressed with the move I just made with the camera. Jeff Stone, how are you? How's everything going? I'm doing just great. Thank you very much. So you're, you're the cigar whisperer, right? That's, that's like your official job is to go around, teach people about cigars, smoke cigars with them, let them fall in love with you, and then you leave them just <laughs> like you did that prom date. Just gone. The prom date. Very good. Well, I do have the pleasure of... Um, uh, for the last seven years, running a training and development program for Davidoff. Uh, the goal is to educate our dealers and, and also to educate our consumers. So your whole job is to go around and teach people how to smoke. Well, we ta- actually, uh, we te- teach people how to appreciate cigars and understand what's happening uh, as they smoke the cigar. So we, we like to, to get into depth. We talk about our blends and so forth. Uh, we show them on 
tongue charts where the stimulation is, how we create an even palate Hold on stimulation. Hold fingers, I had a moment. That's tongue charts, fingers. T. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what that is. Basically, but where it's hitting, like where the flavors exactly, are coming. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So you, you've got the, the late hour, and you have that in it. That, that's a robusto yes. size, right? Uh, a little bit bigger than that, 50, okay. 52, yeah. Um, and I'm, I've got the Avo Lounge right here. Yes. Which so you know this cigar? Yes. This is also part of that that Davidoff line. Yes. Um, I am a big fan of the late hour. I think it's an absolutely wonderful smoke. Why is it that I like some smokes more than others? Meaning, what is it about cigar profiles? What is it about cigar makeups that can make someone say two people say the same cigar? I love it. I hate it. Well, it's like anything else when it comes to taste. You know, taste is an individual to the palate. It could be food, could be beer, could be uh, spirits or wines, as well as cigars. So we all have an idea in, uh, as we try something, whether it's to our taste or not. And so as manufacturers, we try to put out uh, enough different blends that we would have something for every palate, every style, uh, every uh, bo- sense of uh, uh, body and so forth that would allow people to find something that they would like. Is the American palate different than the European palate in, in what they like to smoke in terms of uh, profiles, in terms of, uh, of, of where the tobaccos come from? And in size, I've often been told that the Lancero is is popular uh, in in Europe, considered too dainty in the United States. I'm a huge Lancero fan because that's where the flavor is. Right. Uh, but is is there a difference in palate between American taste and European taste, or American taste and, and South American taste, uh, Asian taste, etc.? Well, let me just say that um, to to generalize tremendously. Um, it, my experience is the Europeans like a little softer flavor. In the U.S., we like a bolder flavor more. That sounds about right. But generally, when we create a blend in Davidoff, we're trying to create a blend that would be acceptable anywhere in the world. So we, we make um, our blends as, as compatible as possible with as many tastes as possible. Now, we're also following Super Tuesday because there's an election uh, <laughs> going on. Biden's got Virginia with 50% of the vote, followed by Sanders at 24 and Bloomberg at 11 and they're already calling Vermont for Sanders. He's going to have 106% of the vote. It's going to be uh, absolutely insane. Jeff Stone from Davidoff is here. Um, when you take a look at all the things that Davidoff makes, we'll sp- stick with Davidoff, right? I-, I happen to be a fan of Esteli. I'm a fan of those Nicaraguan flavors. I like the leathers. I like the earths. I like those dirt things. But but when I'm here at Blend, which is a, it's a Davidoff lounge, we end up smoking a lot of Davidoff. So I find myself having a, a bigger appreciation for the spicy. Uh, you know, for and it's not even full on spice. It's hints of of, of spice. If someone is out there uh, in a cigar lounge, they're in a humidor. What are things to look for? Things to ask for if you want to have the spice or if you want to have more of the earth? Well, I mean, you, you go into your dealer and if they know what they're doing, you could tell them what profile you're looking for and they should be able to recommend something for you. But of course, in Davidoff, especially in the last eight years, you know, we've developed a lot of new ways that we're coming to market with our tobaccos. For instance, our first there was the uh, Nicaraguan line. So to your point, uh, we used tobaccos from all four regions, major growing regions of Nicaragua. Uh, the way we do it, though, we do it a little bit more like cooking. So we, we take uh, tobaccos from different growing regions and we blend them together like a chef would bring different spices or different ingredients to create uh, a good uh, flavor palette for food. Um, we also use 
tobaccos from about eight different countries where we, where, where we have growing operations in order to bring more of a global flavor capacity into our blend. So we could, um, we're pretty much famous for a lot of nuance in, in the style of the flavor that we offer. Uh, and you could pretty much ask us for what you're looking for, and we could tell you within, within Davidoff. That's Jeff right there. That's Jeff Stone. I appreciate <laughs> you taking the time. I appreciate you coming by. Thank uh, you. We're going to get back to Super Tuesday and, and light up and enjoy these uh, cigars. Don't look at fingers. He got a timeless from Matt Sherman, so he's dead to you. My God, the grip, young man. Good Lord. Is, is that why the prom date left you? The, the yeah. grip was just too strong? That's a yes. That's a yes Thank right you guys. there. All right. Thank you. Man. Take good care. I, I appreciate right. you, Have a good Jeff. evening. Quite a bit. Honestly, we need more lessons. We do. We need, we need more lessons on, on cigars. We need more people talking about all the different types of cigars and all the value uh, that they have to offer. So let's light up. Let's get Richard over here. Let's light us up. And let's get into what has happened. Super Tuesday, Fingers Malloy. What has happened over the last four days? First, you drove back from Washington, D.C. to Indianapolis. Live to tell the tale. It was fantastic. Really? It's a beautiful drive. Is it? Yeah, because you're driving through West Virginia, the mountains. Uh, you're avoiding a plane. <laughs> you're avoiding people in hazmat suits. It's, it, was, it was fine, and it's not that long of a drive. You figure uh, you got to get to the airport a half hour, what, what, 90 minutes early, and then all that jazz. you got to pack. you got to worry about the, uh, the, the suitcase being over 50 pounds, and then they want to charge $100 extra. You don't have to worry about that. Throw your gear in the car. You are a heathen. Driving but I, I might do the drive with you next time. Seeing America, Tony. I do love seeing America. That much is, is, is very true. So we get to Washington, D.C. Last, last Wednesday. Last Wednesday, last Thursday. Uh, and then, you know, the debates had already happened, and it comes in to South Carolina. And Joe Biden cleans up. 48.4% of the vote is Joe Biden, whose whole campaign was deader than dead. He needed South Carolina or it was over. Well, he destroys. Like, Bernie only got 19% of the vote. It was really just a, a shellacking. Next thing you know, Tom Steyer is out of the race. The next day, Pete Buttigieg is out of the race. And then on Monday, Amy Klobuchar was out of the race. Now, I was expecting Tom Steyer. When I looked at the numbers, I understood Pete Buttigieg. I still don't get Amy Klobuchar. Minnesota is one of the states at Super Tuesday. She was going to win that state. It would have given her even more delegates, and it would have allowed her a zombie campaign. Right? So there's this big question about why did Buttigieg get out when he did? Why did Klobuchar get out when she did? And everyone's like, oh, well, they made a deal. They made a deal with Biden. They made a deal for, for HUD secretary. They made a deal uh, for, for, uh, for commerce secretary. And the answer is, well, yeah, they made a deal. <laughs> Who in the world doesn't think that they made a deal? Well, first of all, you think there was any sweet, sweet, sweet Bloomberg cash involved in this at all? No, because no. they went to Biden. Sweet, if they had gone sweet, to Bloomberg, that would have been a different sweet, subject. Sweet, sweet Bloomberg. You don't think so? Well, here's the deal. When you mentioned, well, she was going to win Minnesota. She was gonna, Klobuchar was going to win Minnesota. You sure about that? I'm, I'm positive about that. I get that they're showing that Bernie had the opportunity. I get that they're showing that, that it was his. I'm telling you, Klobuchar, it was, her, it was her best chance, and the numbers I saw that I trusted, not that every number could be trusted, would have shown her. 
So you're saying maybe it was Sanders and it was better than being embarrassed? Well, that and, well, listen, there was a poll that came out today, and maybe this was taken after she dropped out of the race, but she was only polling in Minnesota um, at 6%. That's not the numbers I saw then. Then that, then that could be very well the answer. But they get out, and not only do they endorse Joe Biden, they both, Buttigieg and Klobuchar, who hate, so I just punched my microphone, sorry, they hate each other. They hate each other with the passion of 10 bajillion sons. They both get on planes and go and they endorse Biden right there on the stage. Beto O'Rourke as well. That's, so that's like this twofold thing. First, it lends credibility to the idea that a deal was made. And if the Democratic Party establishment, the apparatchik, was desperate to show unity, well, congratulations. You just showed unity. That was the plan, right? That the Democratic Party is all coming together, that the Democratic Party is all good, and they're, here they are, and that Bernie Sanders, listen, he's a nice old guy. He's a nice old fellow, a nice chap, but he is, he, he, he's not he's not president of the United States. No, don't be silly. Don't be ridiculous. That I was the purpose. I, I didn't see the, Glo- uh, the Klobuchar endorsement of, of Biden, so yeah, the, the, the Bloomberg. She cried. She cried? Because what... You want creepy? Not only did she endorse Biden there, she suspended her campaign at the same second. She did both things on the stage. That's weird. Like, like she almost she broke down a little bit, and and I felt for her. I thought it was an awful thing to to, to do to have somebody, you know, suspend their campaign right there on the spot in front of you. Well, let's let, let's say that this poll was taken after she dropped out of the race. There was a, a poll released today in Minnesota. Sanders 32, Biden 27, Warren 21, Klobuchar 2. So then the question is, you know, we, we've been told that Klobuchar's a moderate. <laughs> we've, we've, been told, we've been told Mayo Pete was a moderate. <laughs> so where did, the, if, if Klobuchar was going to win, That's where basically did... my version of T.E. <laughs> so where did the Klobuchar vote go. I mean, you still have Sanders up 32-27. So I have a theory about the votes. Because I understand that the Democratic Party got with Klobuchar and got with Buttigieg and said show some unity. I get it. I understand it. I actually have no problem with it. But that does not mean that the Buttigieg and Klobuchar supporter go for Joe Biden. And this is where I think the conventional wisdom is lost. I've got a story at TonyCats.com on this very subject. If you take a look at the policy positions of them both, Klobuchar has a couple of things in common with, uh, with, with Biden. But she also has quite a few things in common with Bernie Sanders. Buttigieg really has nothing in common with Biden and has everything in common with Bernie Sanders. The moderate Bernie Sanders? The moderate Bernie Sanders, the moderate Pete Buttigieg has in common with. (laughs) So you have supporters who would probably be more interested, more apt to go the way of someone like Bernie's policies. But you know what they don't like? They don't like Bernie. They don't like the style. They don't like the rhythm. They don't like the, the, the rapper that is Bernie. Well, so where do those people go? And my answer is Elizabeth Warren. Because Elizabeth Warren has not gotten out of this race. She's Bernie Sanders without the yelling at you 24-7, 365. 
She's uh, she's women power like Amy Klobuchar. So if you're interested in diversity, remember diversity. Remember when that actually mattered to this field? First they got rid of the black candidates. Then they got rid of the Asian candidates. Then they got rid of the gay candidate. Then they knocked off half the, the women candidates that were left. What happened to diversity in the field? So if you're somebody who wants diversity, if you're somebody who wants the Bernie policies, but you don't want the Bernie rapper, why isn't Elizabeth Warren where those voters are going? Or at least a fair amount of them. And I, the answer is I, I don't know as of yet whether or not it's going to shake out the way I'm saying. But I'm asking as a, just a general thought process, why isn't that a thought process? Because conventional wisdom is, though, they're going to go for Biden because they're going to fall in line and, and, and punch back against Bernie's socialism. Well, that's thinking that the people are interested in the Democratic establishment. And I have zero proof of that. I have a theory. Okay. This what, happened. What a setup. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, they did this right before Super Tuesday. If you were someone who was really emotionally invested in a in a Mayor Pete candidate or an Amy Klobuchar. Amy Klobuchar. Did you call her Andy Klobuchar? No, Amy Oh, I thought Klobuchar. you called her Andy Klobuchar. Her friends like, call her really Andy. Like, it's Andy Kaufman yes. doing, a, doing a riff. Right? Doing a bit. I think there's a possibility that some of these voters who were passionate about these candidates just stay home. Ah, you are. So that is more and more of a conversation. That there's just nobody for me. I'm not voting for the socialist, and I'm not voting for the guy who literally can't string together four sentences. I'm out. Yeah, especially Trump four more years. What the hell? Oh, you couldn't have waited till after Super Tuesday to drop out. You're you're already backing away and playing nice with the DNC and and making deals. Just you you wouldn't even allow me yeah. to vote on Super Tuesday. I think a lot of people are going to stay home. Look, let's say they do. Let's say they stay home in the primaries. That doesn't necessarily mean that uh, they will uh, stay home for the general. Don't confuse the two things. Although, I will tell you that the Bernie supporter, if it's not Bernie Sanders, they will stay home. The Bernie supporter is a true believer, and they will stay home if Bernie is not the nominee. They don't hate Trump enough. They hate the Democratic Party more than they hate Trump. 150%. They hate the Democratic Party, the establishment that stole the election from Bernie Sanders in 2016 more than they hate Trump. So they will stay home. But will they stay home in, in this? I, I, I don't know. But if they do, that hurts Joe Biden. It doesn't hurt Bernie Sanders. One of the interesting numbers is people who made up their mind in the days before. Well, that number in the places where Biden wins, that number is significantly higher. The places where they already decided for Bernie, California, well, wait till California comes through. I mean, it'll be hours from now when, when, we're, when we're broadcasting. How about the folks that already voted before the candidates even dropped out? Screw them. <laughs> Can I say F them? F them. The, the early voters, early voting is off. You know what? They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. I could care less. I, I could not care less about the, That's how you say it. Yes. I could not care less about those people. The people who early vote deserve everything that happens to them. These are the people who deserve to stub their toe tonight. I just, They're just terrible. I just have flashbacks to when uh, the two of us went to Iowa in 2016 <laughs> for the Iowa caucus. And I don't know if you remember we this drove. or not. This is, yeah, we drove. Fantastic road trip. 
and we had loose meat sandwiches. <laughs> Which are disgusting. Awful. Especially, and don't eat them in a rental car. Just, just No, <laughs> only eat them in a rental car. That's the key to a loose meat sandwich. As long as your friend is the one who's on the leasing agreement. But listen, <laughs> just to show how quickly things change, do you remember we were going to go see, uh, we were going to go cover a Rand Paul event? And we were there. A few other media folks were there. Bill O'Reilly calls them the folks. Uh, a few other folks were there. And we found out, oh, the, the rally isn't going to happen because Rand pulled out a half an hour ago. <laughs> I don't remember that. Oh, you don't remember that? No. So just how quickly things can change. You're like, okay, we're going to show up for a rally. He's like, ah, you know what? I quit. I'm done. I don't recall. We saw Ted Cruz in, in a barn, right? I remember that. We caught uh, we caught Carly Fiorina standing on a chair in in a in in Iowa in, a, in like a like a supermarket. She Chris, said, yeah, right. Chris Christie was in a bar. Chris Christie was in a <laughs> bar. I remember that as well. I don't remember. I don't remember missing out on on Rand Paul. But it's true that things do indeed uh, progress uh, that far th- that quickly when, when you're out there. By the way, how is your uh, Nat Sherman? Oh, I'm very happy. You know what uh, I'm really looking forward to tonight, Tony? What's that? Elizabeth Warren not winning Massachusetts. Oh, you know they hate her, right? <laughs> that explains, by the way, her poor showing in, in New Hampshire where she was fourth or fifth. They hate her in Massachusetts. How she, I'm questioning whether or not she can win re-election as a senator. Great opportunity for a Republican uh, to run against her. Uh, they despise her. She's all about her. She's not about the people of, of Massachusetts. She doesn't really care about them. She's unlikable as the day is long. The fact that I say that voters could go to her is certainly blunted by the fact that people don't like her. But as if you were going to assign a policy position to these people, well, then she, she hits more of the bases. If you want to go the diversity route, the woke route, right, she hits more of those things than other people. Right, and she may eke out a victory tonight. I'm just uh, hoping that she doesn't. But even if you eke out a one- or two-point victory in your home state, it's a loss. Oh, uh, four billion percent. And don't think of it as points. A lot of people have been asking who's going to win, right? How many states are each going to win? The states are insignificant, right? There are 14 states up for grabs. And so let's say Biden wins seven and Bernie uh, wins seven. Doesn't matter. By what percentage did they win and therefore, what delegates were allocated? There are 1,300 some odd delegates that go uh, out tonight over the 14 states. You need 1,991 delegates to win the nomination. So if you tell me there are basically, let's call it 1,400 for the sake of the argument, 1,400 delegates, and Bernie ends up with 800, and Biden ends up with 600, well, nobody is really close to the nomination because right now Bernie has 60 and, uh, and, and Biden has 54. They're separated by six, six delegates right now. So if you get yourself to a situation where it's only that kind of spread, it's a contested convention. We're going to it. Now, if you get to the place where Bernie gets 1,000 of the delegates, that's a real problem for the Democratic Party, for the establishment, if you will, uh, things like that. So don't worry about who wins states. States are It doesn't matter at all. What matters is... Who wins delegates? Now, while this is all going on, and we know North Carolina is going to go uh, for, for Joe Biden as well, uh, which we're not surprised uh, about. The question will be, how does that delegate count break down? Like right now in Virginia, 
what they're showing right now, this could change by the time it's all said and done. There are 99 delegates in Virginia. 56 of them are going to Biden. 12 of them are going to Sanders. And we'll see where the rest fall. And that's only with like, you know, 40 percent of the of them in. So there is an example of a great spread for Joe Biden, which is never something you want to say about Joe Biden. But (laughs) it's important to point out that, you know, we are we are live right now on the Facebook.com slash Tony Katz radio page. But for those that are going to be listening to this podcast, it's 20 of 8 Eastern time right now. Yes, so that's, that's where we're at. Right. So so it, it, it's more about covering the the what to look for is what to listen for, how to be prepared for it than the actual numbers. And thanks to our sponsor, Fanimation, Fanimation.com, ceiling fans like no place else. All of them whisper quiet on the motors. You have interchangeable there on the on the on the blade so you can get all the look that you're going for. And they're just fantastic. And they're in the finer stores. But you can go to Fanimation.com and learn all about them. There's actually a museum of fans they have here in Indiana that you can check out. Just one of the many tourist attractions that we have in Indiana. Fanimation are incredible people. Nathan and his team. Also, make sure to like them on Facebook, Fanimation, and tell them you heard about it on the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast get to that doing that immediately fanimation fanimation.com the podcast by the way at apple Podcasts. make sure you subscribe and give it a five-star review as super tuesday is going on first we don't even have all the updates but the tornadoes in nashville are worse than are being reported underreported because of coronavirus because of super tuesday because i, I don't know why media is not paying attention at last count, 21 people are dead. This thing came through at 1 in the morning, literally no warning. And I'm, that's not me bagging on anybody. I'm not, I'm not complaining, oh, why didn't the warning systems go off? It's sometimes difficult to do, to be able to predict these things. It was 10 miles on the ground. It's, it's beyond destructive. I don't think we're close to knowing a number. I'm surprised more people aren't dead. I'm surprised more damage wasn't done. This is a little bit... Of, of luck and uh, Trump I think is going to be get heading there this week but I uh, to all those people love you feel for you that is just that's the frightening we've got a mutual friend that his apartment was destroyed uh, who's this but, I don't know if I want to mention all right, don't say. Uh, but he posted pictures of his apartment and the roof is gone the the, the roof his, his ceiling is completely exposed he was fortunate enough he got enough warning to get in the bathtub but Apparently there were several landmarks in downtown that you know were 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 destroyed. And uh, you're right; it is kind of surprising that we're not seeing more coverage of that in the media. But it's been overwhelmed by Super Tuesday coverage and the coronavirus. You know, you mentioned CPAC earlier, uh, where we we covered the conference in Washington D.C. I don't know about you, but I encountered several people that had. Full bottles of hand sanitizer. I was one of them. You did? You yeah, the, of course the, the, I did. The pump and everything? No, I didn't, I didn't have the, the, the super big bottle. I had, you know, the, 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 the carry-around bottle. Oh, yeah, I've got wipes in, in, in my bag. I will wipe you down. I will not wipe you down. But the... So, with coronavirus in the U.S., I'm not even going to get into numbers because those numbers are going to change, right? The numbers are going to increase. More people are going to die from coronavirus. The people dying from coronavirus are people who are older. Yeah. Young, healthy people do not die from coronavirus. It's an upper respiratory infection. More people die from the flu. The person who has been absolutely perfect on this subject is Dr. Drew Pinsky. 
Drew Pinsky has been amazing on this subject, saying that the biggest problem that we have is the media hyping this thing up, trying to scare people to death. You can, his exact words were, how can I tell you if this is a pandemic? The media keeps giving me breaking news 24-7 about, you know, well, something that isn't actually happening. It's a perfect storm between media and social media because on social media, we now have millions of pandemic experts. Oh, thank God. Yeah, that are tweeting and they're putting things on Facebook and you're seeing clips shared on Twitter that aren't actually uh, clips of footage from China. But as it's being shared, people are saying, oh, look what's happening in China right now. And you're finding out it's a clip two years ago from something else. Right. Uh, so, and the other problem with that is we've talked about this earlier, Tony, uh, on previous Eat, Drink, Smokes is the media relies so much on social media instead of doing solid journalism to where I think that this is a perfect storm where they're looking at social media reaction and that just emphasizes... They look at social media reaction and it allows them to pretend that it's it's actual uh, reaction, like it's actually happening. Let me go through two things, uh, just in the the interest of, of making sure we're all on the same page. I didn't say coronavirus isn't happening. I said the panic is unnecessary. Coronavirus is happening. You have thousands of deaths around the globe. You have it now on every continent. The United States will be no different. And one of the things that Dr. Anthony Fauci, who runs NIH and infectious diseases, has explained is that this is happening, and I'm I'm paraphrasing here, community-based, which is to say it's happening in a way now in the U.S. where it's hard to track down patient zero, where it actually came from. It's just happening in these communities. So this thing is going to grow and it's going to spread. It was the Surgeon General, Jerome Adams, who explained, stop wearing surgical masks. Surgical masks will not prevent you from getting coronavirus. You know, coronavirus, as they know it now, spreads, I don't mean to be gross, um, it's, it's, it's fecal. No. It is. Oh, I Pe- thought you were waiting for me to teehee fecal. No, oh. it's not, no, it's not happening. People <laughs> aren't washing their hands. And that's how things are moving and spreading. Right? So a mask isn't going to help you, but, but the Surgeon General's point was really well taken. People are hoarding the masks. So those people in surgery centers, those people who work in hospitals who are around a whole sort of diseases, some of them really deadly, can't get access to masks. They're the people who need it. You don't need it on the airplane. Right? Wipe down your seat. Oh, I wipe down my seat when I fly. Absolutely. If I was driving with fingers more, I'd wipe down that seat too. But it's hurtful. Eh, well, it's still true. But it's not, it, the, the mask isn't helping. So this is part of the hysteria conversation. What has to get accepted is that coronavirus will change things in the United States. So, for example, we've already seen Apple admit that its first quarter earnings will be down because they're based in China. They made this whole bet on China. Everything was going to be about China. Uh, maybe they got to rethink that. Maybe Tim Cook made an error in putting nothing but total reliance on supply chains uh, on China when it comes to things like, for example, iPhone. Yes, they've got stuff in Austin for the Mac and, and, and other places, but they really need to rethink the entirety of, of their situation. But if there is a plant that has coronavirus, that plant will shut down. So there will be days or weeks that you have to wait to get the product. So when you see people talking about a run on toilet paper here in the United States, yes, some of it is panic because people are ridiculous. <laughs> but some of it might be legit because if the plant that makes toilet paper has somebody who has coronavirus, they're going to shut down. If a food service place, and don't use brand names because right. 
because there's stories of people thinking that certain brand names are having an issue and they're 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 getting hurt. I don't want them to get hurt. So you take, for example, a brand name that that produces a food product. If they have coronavirus, well, they're gonna they're gonna shut down for two weeks. Bluebell had this not you know years ago with Listeria. They shut down basically for a year, and I'm glad to see them back and operating because they make good ice cream. But that food product place has to shut down not only because they, they want to make sure everything's safe, for the public perception, for the PR of it, they have to shut down for two weeks or a month, and they have to make sure they clean it. They're going to be cleaning it like Bill Murray and Caddyshack did the pool. <laughs> Scrub it with the brushes all the way down. The supply chain thing is real. And it's, it's wrong to deny that. And it's going to have an effect on markets. Now, we're seeing the markets all over the place freak out. It was the Fed today that dropped interest rates half a point. And I'm telling you, nobody expected the Spanish Inquisition. Absolutely nobody expected this one. Because Jerome Powell, who's the chairman of the Fed, was already like, I'm sorry, Trump, I'm not doing it. And Trump was beating the daylights out of him. And then they dropped half a point in an emergency meeting. And Trump's like, that's not enough. And Jim Cramer over at CNBC is like, now I'm really worried. So markets are like, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> and markets react to uncertainty. And that's why they went down again after going. They, they were down like 3,000 plus points. And then it went up 1,300 points. And then it was down another 1,000. I don't even know what the final number was uh, from today. So the panic is nonsense. But some of the responses we're seeing, I absolutely understand. But going back to go ahead. Well, yeah, yeah, you you see these reports, and some of them are anecdotal. I've got a buddy who's actually in the chat room watching tonight. He went to his local facebook.com slash Tony Katz Radio. Uh, he's he went to his local box warehouse store, and they were out completely wiped out of toilet paper and paper towel. Nothing on the shelves. I mean, that's that's irrational. That doesn't anybody know how to be a prepper? You've been doing this for years. I went to uh, one of our local places last night, and the big bags of rice, you know, the 12-pound bags of rice, gone. Gone. Now, again, maybe just uh, that time of day, but you're seeing people starting to go to the grocery stores these the, and the, the box retailers, the, the, the warehouses, thinking, okay, maybe I should at least plan a little, which I, I think is very smart, but I, I think in a lot of ways the panic over this you know, maybe worse than the actual virus. And if, you, know, you need to take it seriously. People are going to die, and that's that's terrible. But as Dr. Drew pointed out, we've had several thousand die of the flu already in this country. And nobody freaks out. Nobody freaks out. The NBA has now said they, that athletes will not accept a Sharpie from you to sign your thing. And no more handshakes, fist bumps only. They've gone through a million flu seasons. When's the last time you heard of a basketball player getting deathly ill or worse from meeting a fan this is silly but you cannot deny the economic impact of this and you brought it up a little earlier and i think this is something that is going to be very interesting as we move past this will companies re-examine china and this whole all of our eggs in one basket economic model. Some of these companies have kind of wrapped themselves around, well, we'll get our stuff from China. The supply chain, as you said, it's been interrupted. And there has been talk that you may see Walmart shelves be empty of certain products because so much of the stuff comes from China. And pay attention to that because now you know where the products come from. And ask ourselves why we can't make those products here. Or, or, or better yet, may, maybe that's not the answer. Maybe the answer is made not in China. 
Maybe the demand should be, hey, Walmart, don't even bring the product back. Get it from somewhere else. Let's figure out how we source it from somewhere else. It's the idea that we have to be so dependent on China is a bad idea. Just overall, it's, 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 bad for, it's bad for our health. It's bad for our future. It's bad for moments like this. And I think that the people who say, you know, you're not allowed to say that all these uh, diseases come out of China. Yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can. You can absolutely say that these diseases come out of China. What you can't say is that somehow you shouldn't talk to somebody who's Chinese. I, uh, the L.A. Times tried to do some stories of, of some racist activity in New York and L.A. First of all, you notice it was New York and L.A.? The places that are supposed to be so diverse and so woke, right. they're the ones engaged in the racist activity, right? It's the New Yorkers who are attacking Jews in the streets. It, it, it isn't happening in the Midwest, you know, the, the, uh, us hillbilly folk or whatever it is they want to call us. Oh, those flyover people, you can't trust them. No, it's you people on the coast who are completely ridiculous. The unwoke. You, 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 don't go, you don't go attacking somebody because of coronavirus. I, I can't even really address that complete level of, of ignorance. But you can notice that things do come out of China. And I think you can ask why. I don't have an answer. It's not like I have a thesis. I'm not trying to get tinfoil hat here. Uh, SARS, uh, H1N1, uh, there are, it's, it's a legitimate question and i can't stand it when people are like you're not allowed to notice noticing is bigotry noticing is not bigotry <laughs> noticing is my brain working i think what's sad too is you're seeing uh, on social media people talking about their local companies sending out corporate wide emails reminding people to wash their hands <laughs> get out wash your hands people ne- there are companies actually telling you know what? Maybe I should be applauding them. Bravo. Maybe finally someone's paying attention. And, you know, we got to get back to basics. If you have kids, you got to remind them to wash their hands before they eat lunch. You got to remind them to wash their hands when they come home from school. And they got to wash their hands before dinner. Of course they do. And it is the schools where America is really not prepared. Because when coronavirus hits your kid's middle school, that school is going to close for two weeks and the whole district may close. Now, both parents work. Figure it out. That is going to be the moment. If there's anything, all all things are political, right? All politics are local. All things are political. If there's anything that can really hurt Trump, the market going down 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 points won't hurt Donald Trump in a reelect. People not being able to live their lives, people having to not go to work, people trying to figure out care for their kids, that can mess with an election. And if there is a sense that the federal government dropped the ball in reaction to this. Now, so far, I, I haven't seen any real evidence. of there. There's been some, you know, allowing some people on planes when maybe they shouldn't have been put on planes, things of that nature. But to, it, I think it would take a lot for yeah. it for Trump to be blamed for now, that. Now, no, no. First of all, on the politicizing that is absolutely happening, of course Democrats have politicized, uh, claiming that, you know, the, Trump's anti-science, Mike Pence wants to pray it away. This brings back Dr. Drew Pinsky, who had one of the great defenses of the vice president regarding something that happened here in Indiana, which was an HIV outbreak in southern Indiana a few years back when Mike Pence was the governor of Indiana. In that outbreak... One of the things that ha- was happening was people were sharing needles and therefore spreading the disease. The argument is made that Mike Pence didn't move fast enough 
That's the argument, that he didn't move fast enough in doing something about it. Now, Mike Pence opposes needle exchange. I understand politically the argument of opposing needle exchange because if you favor needle exchange, what you're doing is is that you're giving some tacit endorsement, if you will, of of intravenous drug use, right? Of of people doing drugs and you just want them to do it safely as opposed to not wanting to do it at all. So he absolutely opposed needle exchange. And then he authorized needle exchange in southern Indiana. Because the pragmatist in Mike Pence, not the religious zealot as people like to paint him, but the actual pragmatist that is Mike Pence said, this is how you're going to save lives. You think he came to that on his own or did he listen to experts? Did he listen to doctors all over the place? The answer is he must have listened. The answer is he must have had people advising him. Drew Pinsky proceeds to explain how Indiana was a model of how to react to these kinds of things, that Indiana did it right, that Indiana was praised on multiple levels. And when he was asked about this, about this idea that Pen- that the government reacted too slowly or Pence simply can't manage coronavirus because he was unable to manage the HIV outbreak in, in Indiana, Pinsky's like, I don't know what the hell you people are talking about. Indiana was the model. Indiana was the one that we touted. He actually said one of the reasons I voted, one of the reasons I voted for uh, Trump and Pence is because of how Pence handled things in Indiana. So there is a lot of misinformation that is purposeful because we're taking something that is dangerous. I'm not saying coronavirus isn't dangerous for for people. Uh, The elderly, the infirm, it's absolutely dangerous. Absolutely, as we discussed, it has the economic uh, implications to it. But people are politicizing it because they want to beat Trump. And I have said this. I said this about Chuck Schumer. It's very clear that Chuck Schumer would be okay with losses in order to win an election. That's obvious. That brings us to the whole $8 billion conversation. So Trump asked for $2.5 billion to deal with uh, coronavirus. $2.5 billion. And the Democrats said... Oh, that's, that's not enough. We need to put $8 billion to this. And Trump said, all right, I'll take the $8 billion. Because what, what is he supposed to do? Right. Someone offers you $8 billion. You know what you do, Fingers Malloy? Take it. You take the $8 billion. That's exactly what you do. Which is about what Bloomberg is going to spend in this election cycle. <laughs> By the way, right now, I, I haven't seen him win anything. No. I haven't seen him come in higher. Uh, oh, no, I take that back. He came in third. It looks like he's coming in third in... North Carolina, but I'm not sure how that's going to play out. And they've already called North Carolina for Joe Biden. For Joe Biden, yeah, 150 percent there. And he's got over 50 percent of the vote in the early returns. So 51 for uh, Joe Biden, 22 percent for Bernie Sanders. The eight billion dollar play from Schumer and from the Democrats is not because they think it's going to take eight billion dollars to do this thing. It is because they want to say, well, President Trump only wants to put $2.5 billion towards coronavirus, but we really care about you. So we fought for the funding. You're going to see this in ad campaigns from totally daft people. This is ugly as sin. Drew Pinsky, let's go back to him. His exact words were $8 billion. Can we get some of that in Southern California to help with the homeless problem? Can we actually focus on some things that are happening all over the place, please, as opposed to pretending that it's the end of the world here on coronavirus? Being proactive is different than the end of the world. 
And speaking of Bloomberg, can we talk a little bit about his behavior and the video that went viral today? I can't do it. No, you can't? I can't. I'll I'll throw up. (laughs) I will puke. If you haven't seen the video of Michael Bloomberg, totally not interested in humanity, um, good for you because you'll still be able to eat. He's the kind of guy who goes to the buffet and drinks the soup right out of the ladle. I was just about to bring that. And he's that guy. Go ahead. Tell the story. I can't so do it. So he is at one of his campaign headquarters. Mm. And gonna, so- <laughs> someone mm. thought it would be a good idea to be videotaping him while he is about to grab a piece of pizza. He reaches into the box. He tears the crust off the pizza, stuffs it in his mouth, then starts licking his fingers like he just uh, had a full slab of ribs. I'm not going to be okay. And then reaches for the coffee and starts touching everything. This, this is a man who... who can, can you imagine if there was video footage... I, I hate doing this because it's a lazy take, but what the hell. Of Trump doing that. Like, oh, this man's supposed to lead us through a pandemic? Look at his behavior. My God. There, there's, there's Bloomy. Licking his fingers, so, grabbing some coffee. It's so freaking disturbing. It, it it's. He was it, he's in Texas, or he was in Texas campaigning, and a reporter says, "Hey, you've spent a lot of time in Texas, and in, in deadpan, in all the seriousness that Mike Bloomberg can muster, he goes, well, we call it Tejas here.' <laughs> That's a true story." So help me God. And the reporter's like, excuse me? <laughs> Tejas is, 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 what we, is what we call it. How many, ma- t- how many times have you been in Texas in the last, say, let's just say five years? Events uh, we've gone to and... A couple times. A, a couple times. Not, 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 not a ton of well, times. Well, we've been sitting around hundreds of people. How many people have referred to Texas as Tejas? Well, as you know, the natives... Like Mike Bloomberg, which is a very Hispanic name, as you all know. Bloomberg, second most popular name in Mexico City. <laughs> That's a- it reminded me when Hillary was running for the Senate in New York, and she went around with that brand new New York Yankees hat. Oh, I've been a Yankees fan for years. <laughs> <laughs> I loved Lou DiMaggio and Joe Gehrig. They were two of my favorite players. So somebody asked Hillary, because uh, she, she, she clearly hates Bernie Sanders, hates Bernie Sanders, and someone asked Hillary, you know, Bernie is saying that the person with the most delegates going into the convention should get the nomination, even if they don't have enough delegates to win the nomination, and Hillary starts in with the cackle, <laughs> and is like, well, there are rules, and the rules say you got to have the n- right number of delegates. You know, we got to follow the rules. No time to change them now, Bernie. Oh, my. If she could have said blank you and the socialist horse you rode in on, <laughs> she would have done it. It was, it was so absolutely, po- brutally, brutally vindictive. They are so stacking the deck against him. If, if this goes to Milwaukee and he has the most delegates and doesn't score the nomination. They're going to burn Milwaukee to the ground. You understand that, right? Yes. This is no joke. They're going to burn Milwaukee to the ground. That's how this is going to work. That's how this is going to go. 
the 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 supporter of Bernie Sanders is a true believer. And they will not suffer fools lightly. They will get violent. They will attack people in, in, in the arena. They will attack people on the outside. All of it. All of it. They will not stop. Not for a second. And the, I don't think the Democratic Party is really, really ready for that. This theft that they're trying to perpetrate uh, on Bernie Sanders. And they will. They will be successful at doing this. Um, they're not prepared for the violence. Uh, and I, if, if you could pump truth serum into local officials and law enforcement in Milwaukee, they, they have to be worried sick right now. Can't say yeah. it publicly, but they have to be worried sick. I would assume so. I would assume that they are. I, I, listen, I'm supposed to be there. I'm, so, I'm supposed to cover it. I'm not. I can't. You enjoy yourself. Yeah, right. You have a good time. I was going to drive with you. Have a Miller Lite? Oh, my plan was to drive with you. In that a was, rot? Is, 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 that not, is that not still happening? I, I cannot wait to watch the Eat, Drink, pal. Smoke podcast, you solo in Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Super Tuesday is going to go on and continue. And, uh, and listen, uh, we're going to have much more on the subject because there are more primaries coming and more shenanigans uh, that that will happen. My thanks to Blend Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana, Pittsburgh, Houston, and Nashville. I gotta ask. I gotta ask how the blend survived in Nashville with the tornadoes. Oh, did, did anything happen? Did anything uh, come of it? Yeah, Biden is going to win in Alabama too. That's all we have right now. We, uh, he's going to win in Alabama, win in North Carolina, win in Virginia. Bernie Sanders is going to win in Vermont. Of course he is, but that's all. That's all we know. So my thanks to Blend, BlendBarCigar.com. My thanks to Fanimation, Fanimation.com. Fantastic sponsors. You can find Fingers Malloy at FingersMalloy.com. Wham Talk 1600 there in Michigan. Find me, TonyCats.com. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. And make sure you like the podcast. Write a review, five-star review. Eat, drink, smoke is where you want that to be. You're going to go and write a review, five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Do that today, immediately, if not sooner. And this right here. Oh, my thanks to Jeff Stone for the cigar advice. Very much appreciate that. I've got so much more to do. I'm not going anywhere. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke.